We just can't give up now. We've come too far from where we started from. I can't give up and you can't give up. In my reading, I came across a story. And there was a shepherd who lived in Ireland. And his granddaughter went to visit him. And while visiting with him, she walked into a barn and saw a young lamb with his leg in a splint. She wondered what had happened. She wanted to know. Old said the old shepherd. He had a bad habit of running off. So the other day I broke his leg. When the old man told her that, she began to cry. Why on earth would you do that, she asked. Well, he said, the little guy had a bad habit of running off. Every time he would do that, he would be in danger. He could fall off the edge of a cliff and kill himself. A wolf or some other predator could find him, kill him, and eat him. And every time he ran off, I would have to go and find him. Oh, we, we, mm, mm. And, and then I would set him with the rest of the flock only to have him run off again. That's right. So I broke his leg. But that's not the end of it. After I broke his leg, I also mended it. I put a splint on it. And all the while I was talking to him, comforting him and consoling him. Now I have to carry water into him every day. Not only that, I have to feed him by hand. And as I do, I continue to talk to him and to comfort him. And by the time his leg heals, he will know my voice. He will stay with me. No matter what. Now I will be able to lead him. And the rest of the flock will follow him. This lamb will one day be the best sheep of the flock. That's right. Why? Because the other day I broke his leg. That's right. That's right, so in order to break his will, uh-huh. I had to break his leg. Uh-huh. Ahead, and oftentimes for God to be able to use us, right, he must first break us. Yeah. Do, do I have a witness in here? Yeah. And that is exactly what God did to Saul. Mm -hmm. He broke him. And then he restored him. And in that process, Saul discovered the true and living God who is Jesus Christ. And so this morning I stopped by to tell somebody who's been running off. Come on, somebody. And getting out of the pasture. And persecuting. You can't give up now. You want to turn around now, but you can't give up. You've come too far. You see, Saul was a man who hated the church. Uh That's right. That's right. right. He hated Jesus. He hated Christians, and he hated anything that had to do with Christianity. 
because of his hatred, he did everything within his power to destroy it. And that is his intent. As we see him gather his rest, arrest warrants and Uh begins his trip to Damascus. Uh And it's important for us to understand that Saul was moving against Jesus Christ himself. The scripture tells us that Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them prisoners to Jerusalem. Let's put it in another perspective. Jerusalem was about six day walk from Damascus. And he was so full of rage that he was willing to spend 12 days walking in addition to how many days it took to round the Christians up. Now there is one phrase that I, I must call your attention to. And if you can read it fast, you can miss it, you will miss it in verse two. It says that if he found any of this way, what does this way mean? This way, this way are Christians and believers in that day who were called those belonging to the way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. They saw that they were different. They had a different way of life. And to use the phrase that's common today, it's descriptive of this word that they had a lifestyle that was different. These Christians were characterized. Not by self-centeredness, not by philosophy of me first, but they were characterized by love and acceptance and understanding. And many have heard the quote often about the early Christians, how these Christians loved one another. How these Christians, I feel my spirit, my burden, how these Christians... Loved one another. And that is what's impressed the world of the first century. They call them those belonging to the way. The way of love. The way of Jesus Christ. Now let's look at this man Saul and I'll be out of your way. Who is he? And where does he come from? He was born in the Greek city of Tarshish. And studied at a Jewish synagogue there. And this means he could relate to the Greek people. He was the son of a strictly orthodox Jewish father. The son of a Pharisee. He himself was a Pharisee. So, so this means he had a deep love and appreciation for his Jewish faith. He was educated by a rabbi in Jerusalem. That means that he could relate to educated people. He spoke uh, 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 Aramaic and Greek. That meant that if he could speak to people in their own language. He was a Roman citizen through his father. That means it saved his life at one point. It also caused the other Roman citizens to listen to him. But he was not just a go to church every week, mind your own business kind of belief. Can I say that again? He was not a go to church every week, mind your own business kind of belief. His was a passionately active kind of belief. He was passionate, seriously about his belief in God. He knew the scriptures backwards and forwards. He studied the scriptures, Minister Lucas, daily and applied them to his life. Jews of those days all knew the scriptures well. But Saul was way above average because he was college educated by the best professor 
in the world. He believed in God and was active with his faith, but he was wrong. He did not know God. That's right. What do you mean, preacher? Mm-hmm. He did not know God. Mm-hmm. Saul was a religiously active person yeah. who was dead wrong in his beliefs about God. Yeah. And saints, it can be a frightening thing when folk think they know the Bible and may even think they know the difference in right and wrong, but they don't know God. You see, Saul had a religion, but he didn't have a relationship. Can I take my time? See, the religion of Saul was an inherited religion. It was one he had learned from his father. Mm -hmm. He grew up in a Pharisee's home. He was taught the life of a Pharisee as a child. Uh And as he got older, he sat under the teaching of some of the best teachers of the day. It wasn't long before Saul knew all of the laws and the ordinance of Judaism. And there was one problem. Saul knew Judaism. But he didn't know God. How many of us come to Sunday every Sunday and still don't know God? How many of us wave our hands and still don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ? I got to go there this morning. How many of us have an inherited religion? Because that's what mom and dad did. Yeah, that's right. A quick lesson for us as parents and grandparents and teachers. Mm. It's important that we teach our children the doctrine of Christianity. Yeah. It is important that we help them understand the morals and ethics that go with our faith. Yeah. But it's far more important yeah. that we introduce our children to Jesus Christ. Right. If our children grow up believing that Christianity means going to church every Sunday, learning all the right songs, joining the praise dancers, praying the right prayers, and standing up for Black Black Lives Matter and don't know Jesus, we are failing as a church, as a parent. If we don't teach our children about Jesus, and I know we got all these things out here now, how to bring our young people in. But he said, if I be lifted up, yeah, come on, somebody. He didn't say Mary Hagin. He didn't say Nathaniel Wood. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw. Come on, somebody. All men unto me. That means boy, girl, woman, and man. He will do the drawing if we lift him up. And if our children equate Christianity with just being against abortion, Premarital sex and drugs and alcohol and all of the other taboos of our day. And then again, we have failed them. New Providence, we don't want our children to inherit our religion. But we want our children to know Jesus, to meet Jesus, to have a relationship with Jesus. I don't care who they are. We are keepers of the village. We need to teach our children about Jesus. If you don't tell them nothing else, because money won't get it. Found houses won't get it. Great schools won't get it. Harvard University won't get it. You need to know Jesus. Because the devil don't care. Saul had a wonderful relationship, but he missed having a wonderful relationship with God. 
And in some ways, it might seem unlikely for God to choose Saul to be one of the major leaders of the church, but he did. Yeah, that's right. He did. That's right. We see that God uses his background. Yeah, that's right. Nobody else has quite the background he had. That's right. See, God has a way of taking our backgrounds, whatever they are, and making good of them. We may have some great things about our backgrounds that have given us special skill and knowledge. Things we could be proud of. However, there may be some things in our backgrounds that we are not so proud of. We may just soon forget. But see, God takes our backgrounds and uses it for his benefit. In other words, God is in the recycling business. Nothing is thrown away. Whatever you have done in your past, God can take it and use for your future. Come on, somebody. So stop feeling sorry for yourself and what you have done. Jesus came that we may have life and have it more abundantly. He has forgiven us of our sins. The work was finished at the cross. So stop crying and move forward. You may have been addicted to drugs and alcohol, but what a testimony you now have that God has delivered you. And it could be a host of things from the past, stealing and and lying and selfishness and married to your job and forsaking your family and in an abusive relationship. And maybe you ate too much or had a close relative to die or whatever your situation used to be. You can testify now that I may not be what I want to be, but praise God, I am not what I used to be. I owe all that I have. And all that I am to the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. Can I get a witness in here today? I'm not what I used to be. Come on, somebody. And so here is Saul with all his background. A background has led him to believe that Christians are dead wrong. Look at him. He's got his papers from the chief priests. Bringing Christians bound, bound to Jerusalem. He jumps on his horse with his papers on his arm. I would say brief, briefcase. And as he's going, he's breathing threats of murder with hatred in his heart. He couldn't wait to bring believers of Jesus Christ from Jerusalem shackled in chains. He couldn't wait to present his case to the high priest. He couldn't wait to throw the believers into the slammer. But the Bible says, all of a sudden, there came a light so bright that it struck him. He fell down off his horse, down to the ground. And then he heard, the Bible says he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He replied, who art thou, Lord? I am Jesus. You are persecuting. So you're not persecuting me. You are persecuting Jesus. Sometimes God has to knock us off of our high horse to get us to hear his voice. Saul, why are you persecuting me? And when Saul is knocked down by by God, he does something that reveals his broken spirit. He asks two questions. And they're probably the most two important questions we can ever ask God. Who are you? you? And what do you want me to do? (laughs) The first question Saul asks is, who are you? Uh And this is a personal question. Please, God, who are you? Suddenly Saul realized that this was not the God he thought he knew. This was not the God that he had been serving. So he cries out, who are you? All of his years of training, being a brilliant mind young man, he realized he doesn't know God at all. The God who saw him at a distance, far off God, who had put the universe together. He didn't know God. 
Saul had learned about him in the studies, but he didn't know God. But to Saul, he was a theory. He was a list of do's and don'ts. On the road to Damascus, Saul met a God he never dreamed existed. So he asked, who are you? And for that reason, not only is Saul's question a personal question, it's also a relational question. Not just who are you, but who are you to me? Who are you to me? He wasn't seeking just information when he asked Jesus that question. Saul didn't want intelligence on what the light was and who was speaking to him. He wanted to know what this meant for his life. Are you with me, church? This is why when your life is in a downward spiral, you can't give up and you can't call it quits. Why? Because because God wants to use you in all of your mess and turn it around to bless someone else. So what we are saying is we need to understand the meaning of this answer. Saul understood it immediately. He had been persecuting Jesus for a long time. And you recall that he stood watch over the coats while Stephen was being uh, uh, murdered, the first deacon. Saul had heard the testimony of who this Jesus was. So he heard about him time and time again. He heard about the way. He understood what Stephen had said, that Jesus had died on the cross. That he died for our sins and for his sins. He understood that he had been resurrected three days later. He understood that without Jesus Christ as his Savior, he was not going to inherit eternal life. He understood that he didn't have all the theology down right. But he knew that he was dead in his sins without a relationship with this Jesus. And I believe that it was that time that Saul surrendered his life to Jesus Christ. Why do I say that? Because the next question he asked Jesus, what do you want me to do? Thank God, rather than giving up, Saul asked, what do you want me to do? And immediately, Saul goes from Pharisee to disciple, from persecutor to proclaim of Jesus Christ. We see this question, a man who has surrendered his will to the will of Jesus Christ. What do you want me to do? That's a question of lordship. It's as if Saul is saying, I've been leading my own life. Doing my own thing. I thought I was doing your business, but I was wrong. Now I only want to do your will. Tell me, Lord, what do you want me to do? I've been running the church every Sunday, Bible study and Sunday school. Tell me, Lord, and I still didn't know you. What do you want me to do? That's why Saul wrote Paul in Corinthians, we walk by faith and not by sight. Whenever I read that, I wonder if there's something that he learned immediately on the road to Damascus. The Lord took away his sight for three days. And in those three days, all Saul could do was walk by faith. And he would be walking by faith for the rest of his life. He begins immediately. Jesus tells him to get up. Go to Damascus. And there you'll be told all they've been pointed for you to do. Notice at this point, Saul didn't make excuses. He didn't say, Lord, there's a COVID out there. Come on, somebody. He didn't say, Lord, I can't see. I'm confused. I don't know all the answers. And even though he must be led by the hand, he goes on to Damascus anyway, where he could begin a ministry that would lead him all over the world. Church, this is why, regardless of what we're experiencing in this day and time, we can't give up now. The church cannot give up now. Saul thought he was zealous for God while he was only zealous for himself. And God had to find a way to knock him to his feet. Christ blinded him. And unfortunately, there are people like Saul still today. There are people who are spiritually blind, who lash out 
and attack those who aren't. There are people who are spiritually bound. Y'all don't get quiet on me. Who think they are doing a God a favor by throwing a fit when others are doing things they don't like. Don't get quiet on me. They are folk who are spiritually blind, who will not stray from the old way tradition. This is the way we've always done it. Don't get quiet on me. Never bother to ask if this is what God wants us to do. They are folk, come on somebody, that before accepting a change in the church, God might have to strike blind or bring a terrible adversity in their life all because this is the way we used to do. I want to do it my way or no way. Come on somebody. But God said not so. This is my way. Church, I get concerned. I know I'm, 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 I'm hearing on now. I get concerned about folk who are spiritually blind and think they're doing God a favor by getting upset with folk who are simply seeking Jesus. I'm concerned about folk who are simply trying to, you know, when you're trying to serve the Lord and they want to talk about you and beat all over you. Can I go there today? I've got to be real with this thing. Church, we've been playing church. Folk who are trying to serve the Lord, not looking for brownie points. Not trying to be the teacher's pet. Yeah. Just trying to serve the Lord, deacons. Yeah. He was spiritually blind. And Christ had to physically blind him in order to get his attention. And I wonder what more Christ has to do to get our attention. When he said, if my people yeah. who are caught by my name yeah. would humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, yeah. then will I hear from heaven, yeah. forgive their sins, yeah. and heal the land. Yeah. I wonder, does he have enough sometimes? Does he get tired of us? Perhaps it's not so much about us having had enough as it is of the Lord having had enough. Perhaps he's had enough of us settling for the mediocre and, and live, living in a valley where there are mountaintop experiences begging us to come forward, to come up. And yet we want to have our pity parties and complaints because he desires to live in our praise. Perhaps he's had enough of our total lack of witnessing to the lost. Come on, somebody. And his awesome ability to save to the utmost, to the guttermost. Perhaps he's had enough of us living spiritless field while claiming we love the Lord. Perhaps the Lord is sick and tired of being sick and tired. And for his own name's sake, he said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? You want to know why things are so bad in the world today? Saul, why are you persecuting me? Because I'm tired and I'm sick and tired of my people who are called by my name. When Popeye, the sailor man, uh -huh. Uh -huh. got fed up with the foolishness of a person, yeah. his famous cry was, I done took all I can stands, yeah. and I can stands no more. And then he reaches into his bosom yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for the spinach thing. The spinach thing. And you know then that, that it's on, right? Where the Lord has taken all he can stand from us. And he can stand no more. And so it's time now for that spinach thing. 
Satan and Ananias is obedient. He goes to Saul and he says, Brother Saul, the Lord has sent me to you. He doesn't pass judgment on him or pretend to be better than him. He simply accepts him as a brother of faith and as a part of the community of faith. It says something that his scales fell from his eyes. He was filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized. He'd been physically and spiritually blind and now he could see. And my brothers and sisters, we need to see just Jesus. Not our problems, not our worries, not our cares, not our bills, not our sicknesses, not our enemies. We just need to see Jesus. And new providence as we sit here this morning making excuses. As we sit here blaming COVID for not doing what God has called us to do. Have we been stalled and hemmed in, detained and kept back deacons, held back, impeded and blocked? Have we been on a traffic jam? Come on church. We can't give up now. We got too much to do. We, God has brought us too far to turn away. Brothers and sisters, we may not have the kind of experience like Saul Paul had, but we believe that God is continuing to do a good work in our lives and in this church. He's making us into a people that God would have us to be. Maybe the reason this may be unsettling to us is because some of us may wonder, can I change? Can we change? The message is we can change. God is in the business of changing lives. Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so churches, I get ready to close. In this hour, we are being shifted in. I believe God is trying to reach us. He's trying to teach us. Perhaps he's sending us an email or a Facebook page. Or hooking us up with a conference call. But however he's doing it, that even in the midst of it all, we can't give up now. Lord, what would you have me to do? When the Lord gets ready to move, you got to move. When Christ speaks to us and tells us to go, we got to go. Jesus knows what he's doing. Praise God, Saul saw the light. You see, it wasn't Ananias that converted Saul. It was Jesus. It wasn't Ananias that orchestrated the thing. It was Jesus. It wasn't Ananias that had to do with the bright light on the road to Damascus. It was Jesus. Ananias wasn't even praying for Saul, but it was Jesus. Ananias did, did not heal and save Saul. Jesus did. Ananias didn't turn Saul around on his high horse and throw him to the ground. It was Jesus. He picked him up and turned his life around. We must remember that when we go, it really doesn't have anything to do with you and I. Jesus Christ has the power to save. Jesus Christ can tell anybody. He can heal anybody. He can save anybody. Paul went from bringing death to life. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. And behold, all things become new. All he asks us to do is to be available. And new providence, we can't give up now. Ah, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today. You can't give up now. I don't care what you're going through. Ah, we can't give up ministry anymore. We can't give up on each other anymore. We can't give up on life anymore. We can't give up on our families anymore. We can't give up on our children anymore. You can't give up on God. And we can't give up on New Providence Baptist Church. But the songwriter said, there will be mountains that I will have to climb. There will be battles that I will have to fight. But the victory of defeat is up to me to decide. But how can I expect to win if I never try? He said, never said there won't be trials. Never said 
when my back is up against the wall and I feel all my hope is gone, I just lift my head up to the sky and say, Lord, help me. Oh, here to leave me alone. You will never leave me alone. We just can't give up now. We've come too far from where we started from. Nobody told us that the road would be easy. I don't believe he brought us this far to leave us. Will you stand to your feet? I just can't give up now. We know that you have been blessed through the hearing of God's Word on this day. We invite you to join us at New Providence Missionary Baptist Church, located at 4813 Hilltop Needmore Road, Fuquay, Varina, North Carolina. For more information, you can contact our ministry at 919-552-3531 or visit our website at www.NewProvidenceBaptist.com. Thank you for joining us and be blessed.